DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to be talking with Joe Ingles in about an hour. A lot of you tweeted at us last night during the game, knowing full well Joe was coming up. What did Draymond Green say to Joe at halftime? What was that conversation all about? Well, it looked like it was a real conversation. It wasn't Joe goofing around. Yeah, it looked like Draymond had something more to say. initiated and had yeah. something to say. Wanted to talk to him about whatever it was he wanted to talk to. I don't know what it was that he Joe, wanted to talk to him. get me to Utah. And that's the thing that we saw out there, get me out of here, which I'd be surprised if, if that were the case. But Amen. I, I think they were having a legitimate conversation between two guys who they don't necessarily play alike, but their games are alike in that they can do a lot of different things to help their team. They're just not a scorer. They're just not a defender. They're just not a passer, blah, blah, blah. They're really a player who can do a whole bunch of different things and a high, high-level role player. That's I know Draymond's made all-star teams. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, but I see it the same type of – they make the same type of contribution to, to without their, taking to their 20, Without taking 20 yeah. shots. Yeah. Which is mostly the guys who dominate games are guys who take 20 shots. Right. Right. So I see similarities in the contributions that they make to, to their team. And they both like to talk. So Draymond probably figures Joe's a talker, I'm a talker, and he had something to say to him. And it looked like it, looked like it was a real conversation. It did. And lip-reading Joe, there was an OMG there at the end. So I don't know if some back hey, you got that skill. happened. I do. Remember that? You weren't with us, Yaki, years ago. He came in and he said, I've heard, I, I have a special skill. I've heard, I've heard many stories <laughs> I mean, about this and, alleged and, incident. And he really thought I was just going to let that go. Oh, you do? Well, What's God blessed you with that. I can read lips. You, <laughs> you, literally, okay. let, you literally let nothing go. <laughs> I know. And you thought I was going to let that go. And you take you come stuff. You're coming here bragging about yourself. Come you on. You take stuff literally. <laughs> But obviously, not meant that. I thought he was like Liam Neeson on Taken. I didn't I say like that. <laughs> I have a certain set of skills, and I, I have to find you. I think that's where the writers got skills. that. They were listening they to our show on yeah. the web. That's how it works. We're very big in Hollywood. I have a certain set of skills here. <laughs> you give me a break. Why would you even think to say that without me just wanting to crush you into oblivion? Yeah, just for the sheer joy of it. <laughs> I have a skill. You're going to treat me like a pinata one way or another. What does it matter? <laughs> well, don't set yourself up for it. Oh, sometimes Who that's... comes in here bragging? that's the fun of it. I don't brag at all. The great thing about me is despite all the high-level accomplishments that I've had, and they're too numerous to mention, that I remain humble about all of them. You're Regardless, truth doesn't always matter, does it? <laughs> your, your humiliation is spectacular. Yeah, I'm right there. Extremely. PK, take it off, baby. Again, that's another area that we really haven't delved into. And if we just l- as well. let me just say, I was blessed. Yikes. <laughs> I have a special Why were we talking about Joe Ingles? Because you to can lip read. PK and, uh, and a Vegas showgirl. You can talk about read. the jazz. I'm sick of you. You can lip read. Go ahead, lip reader. That was well done, Yak. <laughs> See if you can read this. Yak read my mind. Read this. <laughs> <laughs> Until 10 a.m. <laughs> Can you read that one? I did. I did. <laughs> so Joe said, OMG is what you thought? Yes. Some. I thought he was reacting to some what? backstory to something. That Dr- Draymond told him? Yeah. Yeah. Because Draymond talked to him, but it looked like for quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. That was more than just the average back and forth from 
oh. two guys who were walking off the court. Exactly. And they've both yeah. been in the league. It was for, a conversation. Right. They've both yeah. been in the league, and there's a playoff series, and I don't know uh-huh. where else they might have crossed paths, but that alone gives you enough time, you know, standing around the free throw lane. Yeah, it seemed like Draymond wanted to tell him something. Yeah. And Joe was listening. And that then, was the weird part of it, is that Draymond did most of the talking. Yeah. <laughs> Joe did most of the listening. Right, he was just like nodding his head. Yeah. He was he was listening to what the, and his the reaction, player was telling his him. his reaction made me, because when I saw it, I thought, oh, people, we're going to hear about that. And sure enough, you check Twitter five minutes later, and, you know, five people have already tweeted at us about it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, and it made uh-huh. me think that Joe's not going to want to tell us. Uh, yeah, it wasn't any trash. It didn't seem to be any trash no, talk. That not, they're just no. fun, goofy stuff. It's like Draymond had something he wanted yeah. to talk to him about. Some backstory about something yeah. they both knew a little bit about, and now they know more. I don't know. If My guess would be teammate. about how you are now doing what we were doing. We were winning at an astonishing rate, and you guys are doing I've been there, man. Isn't it so much fun? Let me tell you about this now. This really sucks, and blah, 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 blah. You know, the last thing I want to do is be here and get my brains beat out every night. I don't, that, that's just my guess of some level of conversation. And Joe was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, geez, we, we got guys that shouldn't even be in the G League on the roster or something like that. And so Joe kind of smiled. And if he's saying that, then obviously Joe wouldn't want to uh, repeat that. It reminded me of a conversation I had with some Utah guys after they had been in the Mount, uh, Pac-12 for a couple of years and they were relating players that they had to play in their first Pac-12 seasons with Mountain West guys and they're basically ripping the other guys. Not, and it, but, not that it was unfair, but it was just that they weren't Pac-12 caliber players, but they had to play them. You see what I'm saying? And so they... I. I kind of just my own instinct said that's what Draymond was saying, and I would never repeat what those guys told me up at Utah because it's not fair to those kids who were recruited as Mountain West guys, and now all of a sudden I'm, right. they end up fighting and they're themselves. Playing, they're playing as hard as they can. Yeah. They watch as much film as they can, right. but they're, yeah. they're, they're an inch short. They're, they're not as good. Light and they're half a step slow. They're not as yeah. good. So maybe it was the same type of thing here. I mean, Kirk had only put out the guys that he has on the roster, and they're not very good relative to the level of competition. You take them anyplace else, and they're probably really good, <laughs> but in the NBA games against a ball club the caliber of the Jazz, they're just not good and they've lost 13 out of 14 and and Kerr was talking about it after the game as far as the frustration of losing and that's one of the things I wanted to ask Joe too was that this NBA lifestyle it's glamorous you know you're being paid a ton of money you're staying in five-star hotels you're doing nothing but chartering you've got masseuses and trainers and doctors and the finest they've got over the jazz practice facility now they built a friggin' fireplace in there (laughs) (laughs) all the comforts of home yeah as you walk in from the parking lot and they kind of want them like walk through the building and walk through the day so you can get there early and grab a little something to eat yeah and they, so they basically they put in a restaurant in the back by the fireplace. with chefs yeah. wearing the chef's getup. And there's a fireplace in there. The I mean, way who has a fireplace yeah. that you just hang out after, during, during work hours? The way their day works, on the, on the, obviously on the days they're here, but when they're in the facility, uh, if you eat two of your three meals there, that's not a surprise. Yeah. Being and there for breakfast and lunch. Specially ordered and all that stuff. So yeah. they live a glamorous lifestyle, but you really get that win or lose. So I want to know from Joe, 
how much fun is it now to roll out there every night thinking, man, we're going to win. And what you've been doing for the last six weeks is you've just been winning and winning big. You're still going to get the money. You're going to get all that other stuff. All the bennies are going to be there, irregardless of the day you sign the contract. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's got to be about winning because that's the ultimate purpose. And the win, the way they've been winning, he must just be having the time of his life. Has it ever been better than this? I don't know that it has. At least from my perspective, for looking from the outside, I'm not in the inside. But two years ago, they had that run where they were 29 and five. Are they even better now? Yes. Yes, they're way better. The thing that they they may not be way better regular season record wise, but they're way better in my mind playoff equipped to win because they can score so easily. There's because a couple of so things. many guys can score so easily. And the easily. Warriors aren't out there. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. They are. You've got I think you have to put Gobert now as a legitimate score. Go, Gobert is a superstar. And anybody who doesn't recognize it is a blithering idiot. <laughs> Th- those are the facts. Don't sugarcoat it. Give me two straight up. <laughs> it's, you no longer have to say, oh, yeah, but he can. There's no yeah, but about Rudy's game. It is identifiably a superstar game. I think if he would have played in a bygone era, there would be no question it would, he would be recognized as a superstar center. But because big men, to a large degree, can shoot threes and he doesn't, it's like there's a knock on him. But no, his production and his prevention is off the charts. There is no better preventer of shots taken. Forget about the ball going in the hoop. Just shots taken than Gobert. And now with his teammates being able to find him and him being able to have a little bit more moves, still mostly the dunks, but still some offensive moves. He threw in a left-handed hook. Yeah. He can score 20 and nobody bats an eyelash. He's a true superstar. So you've got, right now, I'm going to say... You have six bona fide scores in this league. And I'm going to contribute, the way I'm going to list it, I'm going to list Ingles and Mitchell, Gobert, Bogdanovich, and Clarkson. Right? So those are my five legitimate scores. Then I'm going to take half of O'Neal and half of Conley, and I got six. And... Conley, I still believe, has the potential to be the sixth on his own. So then I'm going to take O'Neal and Niang. Now I'm pushing it towards seven. Niang's had 15-point games. Yeah. If they leave him open. You know, it's a weird thing I thought about this with Niang's game and Royce O'Neal's game is that I wonder in the playoffs if they decide. Because right now Rudy's being so much more effective, and they don't really want to leave a perimeter guy. But, man, Rudy's starting to get 20 every night. And exactly, so you almost yes. have to bring – he's had 20 in, what is it now, five of his last yeah, six games? Yeah, but I games. think you'd rather give up two than an open three. Right. And so he may, he may just keep scoring 20 because of how teams choose to defend him. Right. But if they bring a third defender in there to shut down the pick and roll and the lobs and all the options they've got in there, the layups for whoever's running the pick and roll, if they do that, who do you leave open? If you leave Niang open, he will shoot. If you leave him open every possession, he'll shoot the three every possession. 
And we've seen him shoot nine three-pointers in a game. What's he, Jay Crowder? And he will. Well, if he's open, no, because he shoots higher percentage than Jay Crowder. But if they leave Royce O'Neal open every possession, will he shoot a three every possession? No. That could end up being a problem. Because if they're going to leave him open from three, then he needs to take the three every possession. Right. Now, I don't know but that he'll ever I think come it, to If that. he shot four possessions in a row, I think he'd get a little nervous. Right. But he needs to not do that. If they decide we're putting a third defender in the paint and you're the guy we're going to leave open, then he's got to punish him every time. It's not, he shouldn't be thinking, I'm Royce okay, O'Neal. It's if not going to be consecutive possessions. If I, he can't be out there thinking, I'm Royce O'Neal, and I just need to take one shot or two shots per quarter, and that's it. If he is routinely open, then he needs to routinely shoot. Or, in addition to, routinely shoot doesn't necessarily mean three, because his skill set and his strength allows him to do a little pump fake, and if he sees a lane, take it. Because if he's going to see a lane there, right. take it, and either you get all the way or you get fouled. Because so he's a strong I, dude. I thought about that during the game last night because there was a play, it was early in the game, where, it, and under this scenario where there's three guys in the paint, I wouldn't think you should be driving because that's where the defenders are. You're going to be open on the perimeter. But he drove into traffic, knife between two guys, and flicked yeah, yeah, it up yeah. and in. That was a tough shot. Oh, and it's a massive skill set Yeah, to maintain that coordination and balance and look so smooth in doing it. Yeah, and he did. He did. I remember exactly the one you're talking right. about because I thought that is really impressive. And that's just a player who is adding to his game. And it's hence for the reason he gets the contract extension because it is a, to a large degree what he is for now, but also what he has the ability to become as he continues to get better. Yeah, I'm canceling. I'm canceling all June vacations. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You're not going anywhere. No. Nope. Lock it down. Yeah. I'm just gonna maybe take a day off uh, that Wednesday before the draft. <laughs> just a day. Yeah, because it'll end. And, and then, then we'll have the parade, yeah. and then the draft. Yeah. I'll mail it in in July. <laughs> Come on, man. we got two weeks of free agency. Yeah, but I don't think they'll be that active. It's pretty limited this year. Right. The whole league is pretty limited right. this year. This will be much quieter. Last summer was crazy. Next summer yeah. will be crazy. But this summer's not, not going to be that nuts. Right. We think sitting here right now. I mean, who knows? But this is a two-year team. Yeah. And a, and a lot of teams have that salary structure set up. A lot of guys are signed. But maybe there'll be some deals. Yeah, maybe but they, they brought back guys off of lesser teams for the sake of continuity, so you'd have to think that they would be interested in continuity when the team is that much better. Well, absolutely. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. Yach has now gotten word from David Locke, 930. Joe Ingles is coming up at 9 o'clock. Kobe said something that caught your ear. Crazy. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jazz win again. That's 18 of the last 20, 10 and 2 in the last 12 on the road. They blow out the Warriors 129 to 96. 23 points from Donovan Mitchell. Rudy Gobert at 22 points and 15 rebounds. Jazz are back in action against the Dallas Mavericks. On Saturday, it's a home game, and it's a rare afternoon game, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
The Mavericks play tonight. They play the Blazers, second half of the TNT doubleheader. Lakers and Nets in the early game. Mavericks and Blazers at 8.30 on TNT. Jazz are all alone in second in the West. The Nuggets, shorthanded, missing several players, went to Houston and lost 121-105. to And the Clippers, missing their two stars, went to Atlanta and lost to the Hawks, 102-95. to College hoops tonight, Utah and Washington, Huntsman Center, 6 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. BYU and Pacific in Stockton, that's 8 o'clock on KJAZ 14. And Weber State hosts Montana State tonight. Top of the Wire, brought to you by Ken Garf, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram. Buy your next car at Ken Garf, West Valley Used Cars. Now with more than 600 used vehicles in stock, they've got Utah's largest pre-owned inventory in one location. Stop by and see them today. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. I don't think that there's a time since maybe 97, 98, where I look at a team and say a championship is within reach. And I know we want to be really careful about talking about that. And I get that. But I think it's time we start allowing that to be part of the conversation. Because sometimes when we address this team, we talk about this is a team that could make it to the Western Conference Finals. Well, I think it's okay to talk about making it to the NBA Finals. I don't think we need to be scared about talking about that. And I'm not saying that, you know, if they don't make it to the NBA finals it's a disappointment but i think it's also okay to say you know what this is a team capable of doing that would i pick the jazz to beat the lakers in a seven game series i don't know but the fact that i don't know right now means that the jazz have a pretty good chance catch hans and scotty every day from noon to three presented by your rocky mountain chevy dealers on 97 5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network got a question up on our facebook page do you agree with kobe bryant Reflexive answer, no. Do you agree with Kobe Bryant that Diana Taurasi, Maya Moore, Elena Deladon can play in the NBA? I hate this type of stuff. Because? Because I think it's degrading to female athletes. We see it, well, Michelle Wee, she's going to try the PGA Tour. It's degrading to them. It, it, like, it says, well, they're not good enough when we have to measure them against men. They should not be measured against men. They should be measured against their own competition, their, their gender, because all of these players that you just mentioned, they're high-level players. And if they were men, yes, they could. But there's just a physical difference in strength and whatnot. Now, what their is, skill what sets is, is off the charts. Why does Kobe say that, to draw attention to their skill sets? Because if you're not tall enough, if you're not strong enough, if you're not quick enough— if you don't jump high enough, it's obviously going to put you at a massive disadvantage in the NBA. Exactly. I mean, it's obvious, yeah. right? And Diana Trossi is how tall? I think like, she's six. Yeah. Close to six, maybe. Five eleven, six, somewhere in there. Which would make you tiny in the NBA. Place for my Phoenix Mercury. Right. And I've seen, it's not just them, too. I covered preps in Los Angeles in the late 80s and early 90s. And that, that I covered L.A. City. So, your Dorsey, Crenshaw, Washington, Manual Arts, those, those big-time inner-city schools, because they played Pedro Narbon and Carson, which were down further south, but their competition was more in South Central. So, I was at those schools, plus my wife taught there. I was at those schools all the time, and I absolutely loved covering high school basketball, because you had... It was right in the height of showtime. So in 32-minute games, which is what high school was, four eight-minute quarters, they're scoring over 100 points. 
the run and gun, the dunks and everything. It was so much fun. And you had a bunch of guys whose skill set was incredible, but they're 5'8". So they couldn't go anywhere. You know what I mean? Right. Colleges are going to look right past you. Yeah. You're 5'8". You're not doing it for me. I, I, I remember mean, talking to Donnie Daniels about it because he came up here and that first time I talked to him, and you don't know about what it's like to walk the halls of Crenshaw. I said, yeah, well, actually I do, Donnie. And since then, we've been buds. And we used to talk about the players that he had recruited when I was down there and because he knew about it and then found out it, it, that, that, that was my, my, my primary assignments. And those guys, they had NBA skill levels, but they didn't have the measurables. And so it's the same thing here. I think it degrades the women's game by saying that. Because what you're saying is, well, then the other 98% of them, eh, they're not that good. But yeah, they are that good. It's just that don't compare them to men. Compare them to to the women. And they're sensational. And their skill level is probably as good as many NBA players. But the size and strength stuff. If you haven't stood next to Bogdanovich and Ingles, you don't know how tall they are. And you probably have some idea how tall Rudy is. But these other guys, they're enormous. So how are you supposed to compete if you're 5'11 and they're 6'9"? Yeah. So, no, I don't think they can play in the NBA, and that doesn't mean that they don't have a high skill level. If you made it a free-throw shooting contest or a game of horse... Well, I think they can play pickup fine. Right. If you can take the the overwhelming athleticism out of it, but you can't take the overwhelming athleticism out of it. I mean, that's the thing about the NBA, is the freakish overwhelming athleticism. Yeah. That's the starting point. You see that kid last year played for ASU as a freshman, uh, Lou Dort. Lou Dort. Lugans Dort. Now, he's with... uh, Oklahoma City now, and he started the other night and helped go one for 17 for Harden. And he came in looking like he was two-time Mr. Olympian. <laughs> and he's 18 years old. And his body was off the charts. He's looking like Herschel Walker. You know what I mean? <laughs> muscles on top of muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you're not going to get that. You can't compete with that. It's just the kid was blessed with a phenomenal body that I'm sure he worked to help get to, and now he's in the NBA. And there's a reason why we've seen this, and I don't know if they still allow it, but college women's teams, they would recruit classmates that were male to come in and work out against them. Yeah. Because it was harder. Yeah. And they weren't college Division One athletes. They weren't, they weren't college athletes at all. I did that in high school. They were athletic. And they wanted that. And a lot of the women wanted that because it helped them get better. I read a story about University of Tennessee. Pat Summit was in her heyday. And they were basically guys who could have played Division Three basketball, maybe D2, if they'd gone to one of those schools. But they'd gone to UT for their academic reasons. And then they end up practicing. So there's a huge gap physically. So I, I, I don't know why Kobe brought that up. I hate the haters when it comes to women's sports. Well, then for the rest of your life, they'll probably be haters to hate. Right. Oh, a high school team can beat the WNBA or could beat UConn or no, Stanford, the, whoever. Texts, whatever, that's uh, not the question. Baylor, Notre Dame, yeah. the great women's programs that we have out there. Uh, Oregon, Oregon State are really good. 
Not till they went down to the desert and the Devils punked both of them <laughs> two weeks ago. Uh, so I, th- I just think it demeans the women's sports. And if you don't like it, don't watch it. And I'm not sitting here saying I'm a big WNBA fan because I'm not. Although I have to say March Madness draws me in for the women. And then I turn around and I watch the women's softball NCAA finals in Oklahoma City. Uh, I can watch some of the March Madness, but I don't watch the softball. I do. Your wife watch it? Softball's coaching, good stuff. Coaching it back in the day? Mm-hmm. I th- yeah. When you get, and it go, it, for me, it goes back to what I've said a million times over. When It doesn't matter gender. When they're balling out and everything is on the line and they're diving and doing everything possible to try to succeed, that's all I need. The level doesn't need to be all that great. Having gone to a lot of high school state championships, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I've been wildly entertained by high school state championships. Right. Because it's everything. So you get the College whole, World Series. Whole student body showing up, football yeah. stadiums full for whatever sport. You yeah. can go to soccer or it lacrosse means or whatever. Yeah. yeah. People are going nuts. Yeah. And also, too, over the years, uh, a million women's sports. I think the only women's sport I haven't covered is gymnastics. I'm grateful for that, but uh, that's another story. Uh, I don't like judges. Uh, I can recall Becky Hammond's on the Spurs bench right now coaching. She was at Colorado State when I was covering the youth women's team. Elaine Elliott had great teams, great coach. And watching that gal play, her skill level was akin to anything that I was going to see later in the day for the men's games at the Thomas and Mac down in Vegas. But she's like 5'4", maybe 5'6", tops. I mean, where are you going to go on that? I know Muggsy Bogues that goes, did. That goes back to the Good point. Good for right. him. But it, uh, but it also <laughs> goes back, it's not just how tall you are, although it is, yeah. but it's also how quick you are, how strong you yeah. are, and how high you jump. But her skill level in terms of being able to dribble the basketball, shoot it, pass it, all the things that you need. I actually enjoyed, and Colorado State had a top 20 program. I don't know what they are now, but back then they did, and they were really good, and they got they got as much crowd as the men would get. But more than ever, when you look at the draft, it starts with the measurables. And NBA teams, Jazz included, but other NBA teams too, have these huge development staffs like, we will add the stuff to your game. Do you have the work ethic? Do you have the heart and passion for it? And do you have the measurables? And if you do, then you round stuff out. And you can turn someone into a better shooter. Did we get any comments degrading women's sports? I put this question up on Facebook. Uh, Andrew, slow news day? Question mark? I don't know. Kobe brought it up. Joseph, of course not. Donald, I agree. Kobe said it. Scott, not a chance. This has been tried before. It has. But I think that... Aaron, they're better than half the scrubs in the NBA now. <laughs> See, I, I, think, I think if you were in your pickup game, wherever you play, church ball, rec center, whatever, and the last guy on a NBA team walked into that game, which wouldn't happen, but if it did, it would blow you away. Whoever that third string small forward or point guard is, you'd be blown away. Well, I think that, yeah, yeah, at the NBA level? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I've ever played with current NBA guys. I've played with former NBA guys. But I played a lot of pickup with ba- way back in the day. I don't, not anymore. 
but way back with current college guys because they would need guys to run with them. And if I was available, they'd let me do it. And even guys who were marginal D1 guys were a thousand times better. I was in a uh, pickup game at a Jim and Murray uh, when I just moved here. Did you have a headband? I did not. What Never. level of your socks? <laughs> Probably up way too high. Way too high? Yeah. Shorts? And a former Ute was in the, walked in and got into the game. And, uh, Chambers? Paul Afiaki. Brains? Paul Afiaki. Paul Afiaki? Yeah. He played on the uh, Josh Grant, uh, Jimmy Sutto era. And he ran down the middle of the court, and I had the ball down the left side. And I, he had just seriously, he'd just gotten there. It was like in the first five minutes. I, hadn't even, I don't think I'd even said a word to him or anything. I just looked at him, and I thought, he's ready for anything. I'm dribbling down, and for some reason I decided, I'm just going to throw an alley-oop up towards the rim. He jumped so easily and caught it and dunked it. I had never played with anyone like that in my life. Was he and a I, big man? 6'10", and I'm looking at the stats. I called up the team. He averaged six and a half points and three and a half boards. That's not bad. Right. He's he, he is is a nice college player. You know, that was uh, that was a pretty good era. They had a Sweet 16 and NIT Final Four. Wow, 6'10", Polynesian. I assume he was Polynesian. Afiaki? Yeah, I would assume so. Maybe 6'10"? Mm-hmm. Another, uh, and it was Kafusi. It yeah, was. Kafusi family. And you yeah. also had uh, the kid at BYU was 6'10", as well, uh, McKelly Wesley. I was just getting Kelly towards... Wesley was not 6'10". They listed him at 6'10". He was not close to 6'10". I was just getting near the three-point line, and I just looked at him, and I just threw it at the rim, and he just went and got it, and it was so effortless. Wow, the pass was Stockton-esque. Let's it was, call it, was, it like it, it is. It was right there. Brilliant was the word that comes to mind. There, I said it. If, if And I got to tell you, his uh, Riley uses the, the quarterback term, catching radius, right? How close to it, how perfect does it have to be? I can tell you not at all. <laughs> he would have caught anything. It just had to be in the general vicinity, and he would go get it. If McKelly Wesley was 6'10", he would have played 10 years in the NBA at least. You're probably right. I'm just saying. He's more like six, 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 seven. Like his brothers, TK. But he's a baller. He was a big time baller. He had an attitude. Uh, I loved watching him play. I loved his competitive fire. He's one of the founding members of the BYU basketball program post the one and twenty five season. He's one of the guys who helped build that program. Steve Back Cleveland up, and Dave man. Rose. But he's he was one of the guys who helped get that program representative. Getting back to 20 wins. Yeah. He might actually have been the most important player. And you loved him because he had attitude. He did. He, t- he had a ton of attitude. Yeah, I did. I loved his competitive I spirit. I, oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's, I, I want, that's what I want out of guys. I want guys who are just going to do whatever it takes, the proverbial one through the brick wall. I can see him hitting a shot. Yeah. He had pretty good range. For a guy who was, you know, kind of played the big man's game inside, but he could step out, top of the key yeah. and all that stuff. I remember him hitting a shot once and turn around and look at his face like, you've got to show me more respect than that. Yeah. You were, nowhere, grab his shirt you were nowhere near me. And puff it out. What are you doing? That's what I, I think. The disgust. That Robert and I deal would go with the will over skill. And you, you got you got to have skill. You just can't go... And I think Bronco took heat for that of just getting the gutty walk-on kid because that's basically what he was. And Bronco clearly was an overachiever. And Bronco's an outstanding football coach. It's just he's proven it again and again and again. And that's good. And you need some of those guys. But you got to have skill guys. What you need to have, especially for BYU, since they're not just going to go out and be able to get the best athletes. 
What they have to have is guys who have attitude and may even slip a dirty word in there a time or what? two. What? Yes. That's a, Don't you suggest no, such they, things. They need McKelly Wesley. They need Travis Hansen. Travis Hansen. They need Lee Kamard. Those types of guys who just weren't going to take it. And I even say with T.J. Hawes, shut the F up. <laughs> yeah. That they T.J. on the baseline. Right. Who was that? Was that Pacific? I thought it was at Portland. Was it Portland. Portland? Yeah. They need those types of guys. Yeah. Emery took all sorts of crap for us. Shut up. We beat your ass or whatever it was. <laughs> Shut the F up! <laughs> I, I, I think they need those types of guys. That's yeah. BYU, it's not even funny. And when Emery did that uh, in the uh, conference tournament, who was it? Was it they had just beaten Gonzaga beat or something? Gonzaga yeah. up there at Gonzaga. And, they were going and he was walking tournament. out on the floor. Where did they get ready to play St. Mary's in a semi and they got worked? Something like that. So what? Yeah. That's yeah. That, that that's beside the point. But somebody from the other team was leaning over to the side. I think it was a it. fan. Yeah, it was a fan. Yeah, sorry, other teams' fan base. You're right. I think they need those <laughs> types of attitudes. They need the Austin Collies and the Max Halls of the world who they are going to get in your face. One play, Austin Collies kick return at Utah to open the game. The year after he. Uh, had the post-game comments to you. He knew he was going to hear it from Ute fans for three hours, and he grabbed that kickoff and took it back 65 yards. Magic happens. Didn't score. They caught him. But I was thinking, and zigging and zagging, it wasn't blocked up straight line. Anybody could have run a straight line. He had to zig and zag and cut and find seams. I remember thinking, uh, he's ready for it. (laughs) He knows he's going to get it. He knows he's got to come up big. They need bad dudes. They don't need choir boys. Forget about helping guys up after they fall. No. Step over them. Don't be rude about it. But they, they need dudes who have nasty attitudes. That's what they've got. If they want to win more in both sports, they want to win more. They've got to get to that level. They've got to have guys who maybe get occasional technical foul or they're just nasty, mean dudes in football. And they may not be the greatest skill dudes. Now, Austin Collie had a tremendous amount of skill. But I don't think Max Hall had an overt amount of skill. I think it more was his intestinal fortitude and his hunger and his feistiness and those types of things that led them to Max Hall be, and here's where you come in, DJ, they led the last win over Utah. Oh, boy. Until when? (laughs) Until when? Now, if we bring this up, I just know what happens to the Twitter feed. It explodes with you BYU homers. I am. Why are you talking about the Cougars beating the Utes? I'm not even looking at my Twitter. I can feel it. The time has come. It's here. We've got proof. The streak has to end one day. Nobody wins forever. Navy lost to Notre Dame for four decades, but they eventually got the W. Actually, I think they got a couple of them. When will it happen? There are people who say the time is now. The year is 2020. We got 2020 vision on this one. And it turns out it's not some local homer stirring the pot. No, it's not. Who is it? Well, that's on the other side of the break. Stay with us on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles in 15 minutes.
Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. All right, that football topic, Utes Cougars, we're going to get to that coming up in a minute. Calling an audible here. Joe Ingles called, needs to go a few minutes early, so... Let's let's get the Joe Ingles show rolling. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, <laughs> and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells! Ben. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show <laughs> with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. We welcome in the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Ingles. Joe, good morning. And right out of the gate, we got a, we got a tough question for you. Are you ready? Good morning. I'm ready. <laughs> 18 and 2 in the last 20. Obviously, the team is playing very well. But a couple years ago, you finished with a run where you went 29 and 5. Does this Not feel bad. better? Does this feel better than that? Because that 29 5 to close the season, that was an awesome run. But this is getting into a pretty spectacular range itself here. You were on both teams. Does one feel better than the other? Um. No, I mean, I don't know. it's obviously different. I don't think we've ever had a – maybe we've had a winning record, but it's pretty much been like 500 at this point. Um, I think it's – I don't know. I think it's different every year. It's hard to, to kind of – obviously winning in general is, is a lot more fun than losing. And um, when we were when we were gone 29-5 and five or whatever, obviously um, everything – feels good you feel good you, the team feels good the, the coaching staff you you guys the fans the, everyone um, feels good um, I think after the start we had this year um, everyone was probably thinking we were heading in the same direction um, kind of fighting our way through that first part and, and I think like we said all along I think we thought that and, and knew that we would figure it out um, the biggest thing, uh, again, as boring as it is, is, is I think that the turnaround of guys we have, and I think guys are, are really comfortable now. Obviously, we we, kind of, we, we know where we're attacking. We, we know our defense and, and it's set and our system, and um, everything's kind of just flowing really well at the moment. So you guys have been beating a holy snot out of a bunch of teams here lately. I mean, 30-point wins is just frequent, and it's crazy, but that's nevertheless what it is. And you guys, being younger guys, tend to be on social media, and there's been talk, yeah, they've been beating these bad teams. Between now and the All-Star break, you know, you got Houston, you got Dallas, you got Denver, you you got Miami and all this stuff. Uh, Do you feel like this is an opportunity to really make a mark between now and the All-Star break? Because if you continue on this pace, by the time you get to the All-Star break, nobody can say, well, yeah, you beat a bunch of bad teams. Yeah, obviously the 
the goal is to, to keep winning, um, regardless of a, a team's record or, or win streak or, or losing streak. Even coach yesterday, was doing, I think we've done a really good job of just taking it game by game and um, being motivated in, in, in a different way. Obviously, each game is so different and um, different opponent, different team. Um, even last night, they're, they're, they're playing a lot better than what their record is. They went to double OT with Portland. They've been in a, a lot of games recently and, um, and won some games. So, I think even just having just the mindset that we've gone into a lot of these games, it, it can be hard. I think going in there assuming you're going to win, and um, I think we've done that in the past. I think in previous years, the games that we've um, been favoured to win, we've struggled with, and the games that we've we're, we're not supposed to win, we've we've kind of come out and 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 done really well, and and, and beaten these teams. So. Well, I think this group's done a really good job of just kind of taking it game by game and, and enjoying the, the game that we're playing at that time and that, that challenge. And um, obviously, like I said, obviously winning and getting out some leads is, is nice for our, um, the guys that play big minutes and to, to see the, the young guys get out there. And I think they played pretty much the whole last quarter last night. Um, it is great experience for them as well. So, uh, PK mentioned social media. Never doubt the power of social media. Never doubt how closely jazz fans follow every single image that pops up during a game. So I you're, already know where you go. Yeah, I know, right? So you're, you've got a big lead at halftime over the Warriors, and there's a shot of you and Draymond Green. And Draymond had a lot to say to you, and you were clearly listening and absorbing it. And uh, and then he had a little more to say, and as you were walking away, you kind of reacted. And I thought, oh, that's uh, that's going to pop up on Twitter. And sure enough, I had five people tweeting at me in less than five minutes, and it just keeps coming. They all want to know. Probably oh, the most tweets you've had, you? What was that? No, no, I, I can I can say stupid stuff and get way more than that. Don't kid yourself. Um, <laughs> but people do want to know what what was that all about, Joe? I can tell you, absolutely nothing interesting. <laughs> there was no. There was no breaking news. Um, it actually was a few possessions before at the free throw line where we were talking about something, and um, that had just kind of continued. Obviously, at the end of the quarter, I think it was the end of the half, um, we were right next to each other, and we just kind of continued on what we were talking about earlier. But it had nothing interesting. It was actually quite boring, um, but. I mean, it doesn't need to be said because it's not. It, it was just a regular conversation. There was nothing interesting involved. So you've been in the league now for six years, and obviously you develop relationships with your teammates or guys who used to be your teammates and moved on. But I'm wondering, have you formed any friendships or relationships with guys on other teams? And you're using Draymond Green as an example because you're playing them three, four times a year and actually even more if you get them in the playoffs. And since you've been in the league for a number of years, have you been able to have relationships with guys who aren't on your team or were on your team? Yeah, for sure. I think you, like you said, you, you just get get to know people and um, sometimes it's the, the flip side of that is you, you have bad experiences or you get into it with them and, and you probably never speak to those people again and um, there's other guys that you yeah you just generally um, you see them a lot it's same as dropping my kids at school you see, see the same parents and teachers every day and you um, yeah you just get obviously get talking to people and stuff so um yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I still remember 
um, when I signed my deal and playing Golden State and Draymond and Duran and a couple of those guys would walk up and like congrats on your new deal and like so you just you get to know people like you said just from playing them and um, I mean I've never caught up with <laughs> with anyone outside of our, our team really I don't think um, except past kind of past teammates or whatever um, but just on court pre-game post-game um, you obviously yeah like you said it's just a, a, a bit of a weird kind of relationship because it's the only time you see them but um, you obviously have respect for other players and, and a lot of them are, are, are decent people even though we get into it on court or you hate someone because of the way they play or whatever it is but um, a, a lot of the guys are, are really good guys that we play against so you're playing against the Dallas Mavericks Saturday, and that means Luka Doncic, and he has just taken the league by storm, triple doubles, impressing everybody. And you've mentioned this in, in previous, uh, previous visits with us. You kind of saw this coming because of the way he played in the EuroLeague. What he did was kind of man-child stuff as a teenager, dominating. So this hasn't really blown you away. No, not at all. Um, I think the guys that watched him in Europe, I think – if you've played in Europe or you understand the style or whatever of Europe, then it's a lot easier to understand. You could go look at his stats now and you know, 12, 13 points or whatever it was um, in a 40-minute game um, when the, the style is so different. It's like every team is walking the ball up and running a, a, a play every single time and so the, the, there's such limited possessions and then for him to still average 14 points whatever it was um, lead his team he, they won the Euro League he was MVP of that um, I think he was MVP of the Spanish League or, or close to it if not um, doing all of that at the age he was doing it is, is real. I played with absolute superstars when I was in Europe and they weren't doing things that he was doing so um yeah, I think uh, I think people that watched it and saw it and, and understand European basketball knew what was coming. Um, I think a lot of other people just saw a slow <laughs> European dude coming over to to play. And I think I mean his rookie year he was solid. He, he was good. He wasn't. He obviously had some big games and, and whatever. But I think what he's done this year is unbelievable. And, um, we're obviously, yeah, it's exciting to, to play someone that's playing at this level and um, a good challenge for us to, to go out there and try and slow him down. What would you equate that level of competition over there in Europe to as far as the U.S.? Is it G League? Is it high-level college, mid-level college? Exactly what would it be? Um, yeah, probably kind of like G League-ish. Um, I mean, the top teams in Europe, uh, I mean, they've beaten NBA teams. Obviously, granted, it's preseason and there's 20 guys on a roster or whatever. And, and probably a lot of times that the main guys aren't playing or not playing much anyway. Um, but I mean, my Barcelona team had a few NBA players that are playing NBA now and um, a few NBA players that had played in the past. Um, guys had been drafted that, that just didn't, didn't want to come over. So, um, yeah, I mean the competition over there is, is really good. It's there's guys, there's Americans over there that um, could play in the NBA for whatever reason they're not. If it's money or, or the role or situation, the guys are making tax-free money and getting to play 30 minutes a game. That do they want to come over and play on a minimum and, and sit on the end of the bench? So um, 
I think Navarro Navarro is a, a good example. He, he came over for a year, and the year he came over, I think he was all first team as a rookie or whatever, and and got offered a massive deal to go back and live at home and um, play in his home city for back for Barcelona again. And and he decided to do that with a, obviously a much bigger role than what he had in the NBA. Um, it's hard to hard to compare, but yeah, I mean, I played with some some unbelievable players, played against some unbelievable players, and. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good competition. So we've seen NBA players go play in Europe for a couple of years at the end of the career. Have you uh, considered going back to Europe at the end of your career? Absolutely or not. When you're done no. in the NBA, you're done? <laughs> um, I don't know if I'll be done. Um, I've always, I guess, talked about or considered playing in Australia. Um, obviously, I started there when I was 17 and to sign a contract and start playing it. Uh, that young was something that I'd always dreamed of. Um, I guess I didn't think when I first came to the Jazz or, or to the NBA I was going to be here for this long. Um, I assumed it was going to be a couple years maybe and, and see if I could hang around for three and get my <laughs> get my uh, retirement plan and, and probably head home. But it obviously turned out very different to what I first assumed and um, it'll be what, eight years or something like that when I'm done with my contract here here in Utah. So um, I don't know if I'll still be here or be in Australia. I, don't, I obviously have no idea what's going to happen, but um, I'd love to stay here as long as I can. And then, yeah, like I said, consider playing in Australia. I'd love to play um, back in front of my family and help the league in Australia grow. And, um, yeah, so we'll just kind of weigh that up as, as we go down this as we sit here today, Joe, you are, the speaking of the Jazz, are in second place alone. And listening to the broadcaster talking about, well, you know, you want that second place so you can uh, face the Lakers in the conference final. My way of thinking is, yeah, you want second. You actually want first if you can get it. But my way of thinking is I don't care who you play because I believe you're good enough to beat whomever. So if you should get the Lakers in the second round, so be it. Just punk the crap out of them in the second round instead of the third round. How do you respond to that, Joe? Um, I mean, I haven't thought about the playoffs one bit, but um, I think, like you said, I think if you're a team that's that's obviously in the eight, in the four, in the six, four, whatever position it is, um, obviously you want to um, you, you want to win as many games as possible, and you want to be as high as possible, regardless of kind of who you're playing. You want to you want to finish as high as you can. Um, I think all you go into it with a regardless of what precision or seed or whatever you are you've got to beat really good teams if you want to go all the way and win an NBA championship regardless of what seed you are you've got to you've got to beat some really good teams so um, I mean yeah when, when that time comes whoever we play going into it I think we've in the past done a really good job and, and Quinn and his group's done a really good job of just preparing us for that series we've obviously had some good wins in series and we've had some some losses as well so um, you just go into it you've got seven games you, you try and obviously win four of them and um, you obviously it's, again as boring as it sounds you take it one by one and the Lakers or the eight or the six whatever it is you, you, you take it as, it as it comes and like I said you've got to beat a lot of good teams to, to go all the way regardless right but my point being is I believe you're a really good team 
And so, so do it doesn't matter who you're playing. You've got to beat them, and you can beat I mean, them. We, were, we will never, like, we, we, we won't care who we play. Yeah, that's like, my point. Same as people saying that we've only played bad teams in this stretch or whatever they've been saying. It's, you've still got to win, like, win the, 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 the NBA players. There's a lot of good players in this league, and, and like I said, even Golden State last night is they're playing better than their record. They've got, obviously, last night they've got. AB, they've got D'Angelo, they've got Draymond, they've got Willie Cauley Stone, who had a huge role in, in Sacramento. They've got really good players. Um, so every game is is something different. And yeah, if we we'll play, we'll talk about this later. We got we got way way too much time before now in the playoffs. You know, when things are going this well, and, and Jazz fans, I mean, so many fans want it so bad. They've been ruining this team for a quarter of a century, and they can still remember Stockton and Malone and Jordan and all that stuff. They want it so bad. And sometimes during the game, there's a cutaway of Quinn, and you see his eyes. And maybe it's about a call, or maybe it's about a play, or a player, or whatever. But they seem so into it, and it fires them up because they're that into it. And I'm wondering, when you're playing this well, does the way Quinn interact with the team change at all? Does he, I don't want to relax, probably isn't the right word, or lighten up, but is there a little less of an edge, or is he the same guy today that he was in mid-November when things weren't going as well? He's the same guy today that he is six years ago when he when he first got the job. He, um, I think, obviously, as, as he's grown as a coach and, and has um, been here for that kind of time, you, you figure things out and um, learn different things so there's obviously little things here and there that are, are different but in terms of what he stands for as a coach and, and the details and the professionalism and the player development like we watch unbelievable amount of, of film and I'm, I mean that in a good way and it's um, the, the learning there's just a non-stop obviously I can't speak for other teams because I've never really played except a few weeks with the Clippers um, but a lot of guys that come here just say it's, it's not the same as teams they've been on and, and obviously that's a, in a good way We there's so much attention to detail and um, I said it last night someone was asking a similar question about Quinn it's just like there's just no no days off from um, we've got today off which is nice but no no days off from learning and getting better whenever we're at the gym there's something that we can obviously improve there would have been something last night um, that we can do better that hopefully the next time we play them or another team we, we don't do the same thing and um, and that's hard to do to stay so focused and, and determined to, to keep this franchise going and, and obviously heading in the right direction and obviously everyone that's um, watched closely for the six years Quinn's been here. He, he's a big part of this massive change that's happened from when I first got here and we were winning. I think we won 25 games or something like that my first year. Um, we've, we've already beaten that as of right now, but we've had a, what, a couple 50-win seasons and gone in the first round, gone in the second round. Um, and a, and a, a lot is the culture and, and what he does and what he brings and what he stands for. So... Um, Utah is, is lucky to have him and, and hopefully he's well he just extended didn't he so he's yeah. he's here for a bit longer you speak of having the day off is it possible to com- completely get away from it are you, are you able to do that well today is like a like a lockout day like no one's allowed to go in which is nice because if you have a day off but it's like a like an optional kind of day or whatever most guys go in anyway just because you 
it's what we do, it's what we used to, but the doors will be, be locked today and um, obviously we'll have a good practice tomorrow and get in there and then shoot around and that, so we've got a, a bit of time, but it's nice to have have a day off and just drop Miller at school and um, hang out with Renee a little bit and just kind of do a, a bit of regular stuff, I guess. Watch TV, go to the movies? Uh, I don't know. Jacob doesn't have school today. Uh, his school's got the day off, so we've got Jacob at home and um, it was nice to... I mean, uh, we got back at, what, 2.30, but talking to school for me is something that I, uh, I love doing and to walk in there with Miller and drop her off and pick her up and, and obviously now with Jacob at home get to actually see Jacob and spend some time with him and and, um, and obviously Renee as well so it's um, it's different for us I know it sounds like stupid because we only practice a few hours a day or whatever but to to spend a whole day with, with the kids is something that we don't get very often so it's it's nice for me to be able to do that Joe as always we'll appreciate it we'll let you go uh, enjoy your day off I will. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Joe Ingles, checking in once again here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. I didn't think he was going to give us the deepest, darkest secrets about the conversation with Draymond. Oh, I wouldn't. It seemed like it was personal. Yeah. Interesting, but not crazy. Right. Just judging by the body language right then. But you don't need to blurt everything out into the world, right, PK? Yeah, I still think he was saying, Green was saying, man, we suck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just making stuff up. You really think that? It was something along those lines. Give oh, really? you, you guys are playing so well. It's good to see. We were there. That type of thing. Hmm. Yeah. And they're not there now, obviously. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Locke's coming up in about 15 minutes. And we uh, promised you not some local homer, PK. This is somebody with some knowledge, some respect. The streak is over. That's it. BYU's going to beat Utah, huh? <laughs> You've got definitive proof. Yeah. In January. How weird is that? January. January. <laughs> we'll get to that next. Stay with us.